This episode is brought to you by Star Lion Thieves of the Red Knight, an indie book by a black author named Leon Lankford. Star Lion is about a gravity-manipulating teen, Jordan Harris, who is arrested for vigilante activity, who is then forced to choose between jail and joining a superhero training academy. This book can be found on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, and even an ebook audiobook combo on Blurred.com. Welcome to the show where we talk about nerd culture from a BPOV, a black POV. I am your host, Brendan. And soon I will cut over to my discussion with Dave from Toon Lord Done Right to nerd out over the 20th anniversary of Justice League, the animated series. I had a fun time speaking with him. The show is filled with clips from Justice League. We got jokes, trivia, and more. Now, I'm sure some of y'all are saying, yeah, that's cool and all, but a lot of new stuff just came out. We got Cowboy Bebop, Hitmonkey, Wheel of Time, Young Justice, Star Trek Discovery, and more. There are also other anniversaries I want to cover. Unfortunately, due to scheduling conflicts, I couldn't do those when I wanted to, but hopefully I will get to them in good time. For now, I hope this warm nostalgia can be a uh, balm during these tempestuous times, particularly for the listeners back in the U.S. in light of recent failures of our justice system. I've talked to some friends of the show expressing their frustrations and anxieties about the future. I tend to watch shows like Justice League when I'm feeling lost because these iconic heroes are often unyielding in their morals and resolve. Before I start my discussion today, I'll leave you with my favorite quote from John Stewart. What are you supposed to do when you have the weight of the world on your shoulders? Plant your feet. All right, and welcome to this part of the show. I want to welcome Dave from Toon Lore Done Right to help me talk about Justice League, the animated series. Dave makes these pocket-sized breakdowns of animation from years past, and I think the first one I listened to was Invader Zim, and I was really impressed. Uh, you, you have a, just a pleasant voice, and you really do your research. And so I was like, I got to have him on for this show. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, um, what up? I'm Dave. And like you said, I'm the host of Toon Lord Done Right. And I'm excited to be here. For sure. Uh, where can they find you? Yeah, so on Instagram and Twitter, the same pretty much everywhere, at Toon Lore, D-R. And I have my website, ToonLoreDR.com. So um, my podcast is also... Anywhere you listen to podcasts. Dope. Uh, what was the last one you did? My most recent episode was on Billy and Mandy. So I'm a big cartoon cartoon fan from the 90s. It was right around Halloween-ish. So I did uh, Billy and Mandy. I feel like I lightly watched that show. I feel like that was a time where I was starting to just age out of that. I think you're a little younger than I am. And I feel like I just aged out of that that bracket like um the imaginary monster orphan house show like i think my brother's sister like my younger brother and sister watched it but i was just a little bit out of that that age bracket or something yeah foster's home for imaginary friends so that's the one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. definitely a classic one. Oh, and i also did right after billy and mandy i did uh, full metal alchemist brotherhood 
Nice classic, classic. I still think about uh, Mustang's his snap burning away a uh, old girl. Absolutely, classic scene. It's classic. That scene is what made Mustang my favorite character for sure. All right, well. We could nerd out all day about all this stuff. I want to keep it as focused as we can. We're going to talk about Justice League, uh, our overall thoughts, just coming into it, our favorite moments, and of course, some trivia along the way. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Before the MCU, we had the DCAU, or the DC Animated Universe, created by Bruce Timm and Paul Dini. It still has a longer run than the MCU, lasting from 1992 to 2006. That's 14 years, whereas the MCU will hit its 14th year in 2022. Trivia time for you, sir, and the good folks at home. Do you know how many TV shows are included in the DCAU? Oh, no. Um, Let's see. So there's Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. Um, I want to say Batman Beyond. Uh, mm-hmm. Static Shock. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if Teen Titans was in it. I'm, I'm going to say no. But is is that it? You're missing a few. Oh, gosh. You are right. Batman animated series followed by Superman. Side note about Superman. I, I low-key hate on that show. <laughs> I don't know how you felt about it growing up. But they nerfed Superman so much from what I read in the comics. But... Some of the emotional moments near the end of that show still get to me. Like the the death and the funeral of Dan Turbin. Goodbye, old friend. In the end, the world didn't really need a Superman. Just a brave one. Stuck with me for years. And the series finale with the brainwashed Superman controlled by Darkseid was just incredible. And it had such a profound impact on justice league unlimited with the creation of cadmus um okay so back back to the list there's a slight sheet with the new adventures of batman and robin which synced the character design with superman but it is listed as a new show right and of course as you said static shock batman beyond and the zeta project and of course you said justice league unlimited but there was a gotham girl show which lasted three seasons. This was starring, I think, Catwoman, Batgirl, and Harley, and Poison Ivy, and a short-lived Lobo web series that I hadn't heard about until I researched for this show. Have you heard? Have you seen those at all? I have not seen those, but how did I not know about a show with Lobo, the main man himself? Exactly. Now... As much as people are hype about the return of the X-Men animated series and its awesome theme song, the DCAU themes are also excellent. We all talk about the Batman animated series, but the first Justice League season theme had such a serious, almost regal flair to it. It's slightly undercut by the imagery of three men with underwear outside their pants. I dress myself! But it always excited me when it came on. I love the Unlimited rock theme, as well as showing off the Watchtower and the nearly, what is it, 60 superheroes that were to be featured. It really made the show feel more more epic. I loved the intro. Even back then, I I knew that that was really early 3D graphics. So they, they really wanted to go for that epic feel. But looking back on it, the visuals don't really age that well, but the music 
always gets me hype. For sure. Let's start from the beginning with the focus on the original seven. Superman and Batman were already established before the show. The Flash and powers of Green Lantern, at least, were introduced in Superman. On that note, um, I was surprised that the creators ran with Jon Stewart instead of Kyle Rayner, who was introduced in the Superman cartoon. Now, I don't know about you. Originally, I wasn't a big fan of Jon Stewart. He just seemed too dry, too serious. I, I know that Batman is similar, but he's a badass who had at least shown some dry wit in the past. One of the last episodes when Harley captured Batman and then Joker freed him and then he was yeah. like... She almost had me, you know. Arms and legs chained, dizzy from the blood rushing to my head. I had no way out other than convincing her to call you. I knew your massive ego would never allow anyone else the honor of killing me. Though I have to admit, she came a lot closer than you ever did. Pudding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so with Jon Stewart, I was not a big um, comics fan growing up. Not because I didn't want to be. I just didn't have access to it. So really, mm. um, the Jon Stewart Green Lantern was my first real introduction to Green Lantern. So for... For years, I really thought he was the Green Lantern. So when they came out with the Ryan Reynolds movie later, I was like, "Who? Who is this? What? Why? Why are they white, whitewashing Green Lantern? I don't get it." That's so interesting. It's almost like kids growing up thinking that only presidents were black, right? Because they're born into the Barack Obama presidency. I was introduced to the Green Lantern reading the Death of Superman comic, and of course, Kyle Rayner from Superman. So. I was like, who's this guy? And why is he just always bickering with uh, the, the Hispanic chick in this, in this show? <laughs> like the people of color were just the most argumentative. And I, I didn't like that. But I grew to really like them. Of course, they grew to love each other. You want to talk about fear? When I was a kid, I went to bed every night scared that the whole world was going to blow up. That's the way things were back then. And folks just accepted it. They didn't think there could be a better way. But we found one. So do you sleep better now? You know I do. I enjoyed how that relationship developed compared to Batman and Wonder Woman, even though there were some nice moments there too. Yeah, I think their relationship, Hawkgirl and Green Lantern, was probably one of my favorite story points or relationship points in, in the entire show. Yeah, for sure. I, I love how they, I mean, they, they had their banter as well, but the way that they kind of grew together, it just felt real. Yeah, it went from like hard arguing to maybe by season two, they started arguing, but also starting to take a pause of like, I actually may have something for this person. And then they kind of awkwardly look away or something. And then it just builds up until, of course, the star-crossed finale. Before we, we go off of Jon Stewart, I didn't know this, but again, doing research for the show. In the comics, Jon Stewart wasn't a Marine. I... I feel like he was an architect. Yes. And he was more of a pacifist than Hal Jordan, who was in the Air Force. But Bruce Timm made Stewart a U.S. Marine. And similar to the comics adoption of Harley Quinn, that aspect of John Stewart's character became canon in the comics as well. Oh, that was interesting. Something I like from the first two seasons is that they typically stretch the story across two or three episodes instead of trying to wrap it up in one Remember 
when the premiere happened and we we thought they killed Batman? <laughs> yes. I, I remember thinking, like, what, what what happened to Batman? I, I specifically remember that moment because I had to, for whatever reason, I had to walk away just for a second before the episode ended. And then I came back and I was like, wait, wait a minute. Where's Batman? He, he can't be dead. Yeah. I mean, after so many years, like, well, maybe it's time to give him a send off. But man, like just brilliant tension and stakes building and a wonderful introduction to the abilities of Martian Manhunter as well. Absolutely. I still think that's one of the, the best TV intros there is. Like those three episodes. Totally. I mean, it was, like you said, a great introduction to the Martian Manhunter and a great reintroduction to everybody else as well. I like how mm-hmm. it started off with Batman and Superman kind of having their own little moment, and then they slowly opened it up to everybody else. So, so yeah, real good. Absolutely. Do you have any favorite stories from the first two seasons? My favorite moments were, <clears throat> it was an episode with the Royal Flush Gang, and the Joker was kind of hosting this TV show with a with a time bomb. So he sent the heroes off on different um, different little missions to try and um, deactivate the bomb. And so the story itself was great. But the thing that I kind of like the most out of it is the voice actors who played the Royal Flush Gang were the voice actors of the Teen Titans. And so we never really got a, a Justice League Teen Titan crossover, but that was kind of the closest uh, that I could get. And then the emotional stakes with how the Joker pretty much threatened to kill a kid in front of everybody. <laughs> right. And I think that was also the episode at the end where Green Lantern and Hawk Girl like actually profess their feelings for one another. And so it's mm. so many of the best parts of the show kind of culminate in that episode for me. Right, it it it's kind of dis- disguised as a standalone, but there's also connective tissue within that. You're you're very right. I totally agree. That's a great one. I really liked uh, from season one, Injustice for All, where all the league's villains team up for the first time. Yeah, and Batman is captured, and the Joker is freaking out the whole time about leaving him alive. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Y'all, you need to kill this nigga. Like, he's gonna <laughs> fuck this up." <laughs> And then he dismantles the entire gang from within. He was hella smooth with uh, Cheetah. I still laugh at how convincing he was. And now I'm a freak. That's not what I see. I see someone who was willing to give up everything for a cause she believed in. How do you know so much about me? Let's just say cats aren't the only ones who are curious. Too much curiosity can be dangerous. Maybe I like danger. Do you? Try me. <laughs> he got her. He got the uh, was it the ultra humanite about fighting with the other guy about how much they're getting paid, and then he he got Grundy. I mean, he was just taking everyone out. I loved it. Yeah, they should have listened to the Joker. Yeah, or just put some duct tape on him. You know, whatever. <laughs> I definitely prefer season two though. We start really seeing the influence from the series finale of Superman and the season opening where Darkseid just pulls up on the Watchtower to help them take on Brainiac. You ever watch the uh, the Ace Vane parody? No. Where he shows up and he's like, where my money at, Superman? <laughs> no. <laughs> you got to check it out. It's super funny. <laughs> um, the Amazo Android mm. episode was the first time I felt real dread for the entire team. 
we talked about the opening with the aliens and yeah i guess but like amazo terrified me yeah i mean they actually they really didn't win exactly. they convinced him to leave but they couldn't beat him so yeah like you said this was the first time where they were like, truly outmatched as it stands he's still the most powerful being in that universe just some some short trivia you you hit us with that teen titan trivia um amazo's design and arc are based off adam warlock a marvel character who will debut in guardians of the galaxy volume three both were created by scientists they turned gold and evolved into godlike beings after departing for the cosmos but yeah i just his dead beady eyes both times he came on the show it was by his own choice to leave yeah he could have destroyed the entire world with a thought yeah, like you said, there was really nothing that they could do about it. And I really think that, and I might be jumping too far ahead, but I really think that season two got better because of the influence of Dwayne McDuffie. And his stamp, I guess his writing style can be seen, I mean, not only in the in the Justice League, but he also wrote for Ben 10 and, and so many other shows. Static Shock, of course, yeah. a, co- a co-creator. Yeah. Of course. And then he kind of elevated into story editor on season two. So so you can see much more of his fingerprints on on it. He really liked to bring, make the character seem more human. Yeah. He wrote a couple of teleplays for season one. And as you said, he became story editor in season two. And he also started actually writing. And the show started including his own original stories into the fold. So it definitely elevated it. I do want to get into Dwayne McDuffie a little later. I want to get back to some season two favorites, A Better World, which introduced the Justice Lords. That was awesome. And I was floored by the callbacks in Unlimited from that story. One of my quiet favorites, and this is back to Dwayne McDuffie, was Hereafter, when Superman was transported into the future, where Vandal Savage won and destroyed the world. It showed that Superman was more than his powers and gave a, a redemption to, to Savage and a, a send-off, because he never came back. Yeah, I don't think so. But yeah, it was it was very interesting with seeing Superman have to work without his powers and just kind of, like you said, showing that he was more than just the the super part. There's focusing on the man. And I remember when they found out that um, Vandal Savage has a time machine, Superman was like, well, why don't you use the time machine to just fix everything? And he said, you know, I can't go back in time to a place where I already existed. And then that's when the, the light switch came on. I was like, oh, but I don't exist there. I'm I'm only here. And so just kind of watching them kind of make amends is mm. was was really was really good absolutely despero i didn't love the despero episode but it was cool to see phil lamar act against keith david mm. i didn't really think about it until i rewatched it recently i'm like oh my god these are like the greatest black <laughs> vas of all time um, I want to ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Fans are divided about whether they prefer the original show's focus and format to Unlimited's tendency to have more one-off episodes, even though season two had more connective uh, tissue throughout its run with Cadmus. And I think Young Justice kind of took that formula. What did you prefer? Ah, that's a tough one because I do like them both. Man, if I had to choose, I'd probably go with the original series kind of longer form uh, I mean, first and foremost, I'm I'm a story guy. If the story doesn't doesn't catch me, then you know it doesn't matter how how good the action is, how good the animation is. It's the story that really pulls me in. So if there's a bigger focus on 
telling deep, intentional stories. I, I would lean more towards that. Yeah. I think most of Unlimited's season two was some of the best in the entire series. And that explored how close the team was becoming like the Justice Lords, especially Superman, uh, Batman becoming increasingly skeptical. They kicked out Huntress and Question went rogue. The fight between Superman and Shazam, Superman versus Captain Adam. Like the drama was never higher. Right. And of course, the finale with Brainiac revealing himself to be inside of Lex the whole time. Like that shit was mind blowing to me. Like, <laughs> like, like everyone my age, you know, I don't know how old you are, but everyone my age used to run home and catch cartoons after school. But, you know, back in my day, we didn't have streaming <laughs> services. We had to run home and catch. You know, I had to run home and catch Dragon Ball Z, you know, like miss the first five minutes. Like, oh, sh-, you know, yeah, but if you missed it. You missed it. Exactly. You had to wait like, you know, four months or something for the for the reruns to come. You know what I'm saying? But when I was in college, once the Cadmus arc started, I would rush home from school or work to catch this show. Like we talk about how revelations in movies encourage a rewatch, but the reveal about Lex did that for me. And then obviously epilogue, which reveals that Bruce Wayne was uh, Terry and his brother's father. That made me want to rewatch Batman Beyond as well as Mask of the Phantasm. Just seriously genius. Yeah, absolutely. And the the Lex Luthor finale, um, the Lex Luthor Brainiac finale is one of my favorite moments when the Flash, they think he's running away and he's punching him by running around the entire planet. I remember seeing mm. that for the first time and and just thinking like the flash is unstoppable absolutely and it sucked that they kind of nerfed him it's like i can't do this again right but i did enjoy that the show is called justice league unlimited with so many heroes that we were introduced to but they wrote it so that the original seven were the only ones who could take out this threat right like it wasn't like an avengers thing where you know i just talked about in the eternals you know spoiler there's a the third act i won't spoil it in the third act there are events happening that are so ridiculous that there's no reason there's no way avengers would not show up whereas justice league writes it you know from the first season it's a time travel story so only who was it green lantern wonder woman and batman are there because that's it that's all they that's 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 how it was written and of course for this one because the watchtower was dismantled only these seven can do it and it was it was brilliantly done and again it's like how can this animated show write this stuff better than dc's own live action stuff and uh, in many respects marvel as well it just shows just going back to genius the man who wrote those uh the the second half of season two was our boy Dwayne mcduffie um he was involved with most season two writing all the way from the clash with Sazam, all the way to as you talked about flash tapping into the speed force he actually wrote all three season finales, even the one where uh, Superman goes ham on Darkseid. I feel like I live in a world made of cardboard, always taking constant care not to break something, to break someone, never allowing myself to lose control, even for a moment, or someone could die. But you can take it, can't you, big man? What we have here is a rare opportunity for me to cut loose and show you just how powerful I really am. Yes, that was like <laughs> quality Chef's TV kiss. right there. Hell yeah. I remember seeing that like, oh wow, Superman is really, he's really about to go all out. Yes, 
But he went ham on him. But I'm kind of questioning why he didn't go that ham in the finale of Superman when he went to Apocalypse after he got brainwashed. <laughs> Supergirl was almost like on the brink of death. He had been brainwashed. Like there was so much going on. He was angry. Like he almost killed Darkseid at that time. So I was kind of like, okay, this is dope. I kind of would have liked to see that in Apocalypse too, but it was still very, very, very cool. Yeah, they needed McDuffie on the script. That's true. Very true. Very true. Rest in peace. Apparently, season two was where the show was supposed to end, but Cartoon Network renewed the show for one last season. And I think there was some good stuff overall, but I thought it was the weakest season. I like the uh, Patriot Act episode where the general who was involved with Cadmus, voiced by J.K. Simmons, fucking tempo! turned into a Hulk-like monster, uh, and, then, and then the B-list leaguers at that parade were fighting him. Third season, it's, uh, it's interesting you said that it's the weakest. It's the one I remember the least, by far, mm. yeah. Because there, there, there isn't really any connective tissue. I think it just starts to find itself once the villains form again as a group and Lex focuses on trying to resurrect Brainiac and then of course Darkseid just pops up like on that note of B-listers do you have a favorite non-core Justice League member? I think the the first one that comes to mind is Booster Gold. Okay. <laughs> he was just I, I don't know if if there's anything specific that I, I like about him. He was just funny. He came from the future to kind of get famous just because he knew how things would play out. And it's just, he was just such an oddball character for me. So Booster Gold probably is, is, is top tier, top tier B for me. Okay. What about you? I, uh, I got two. I'm going to go with, uh, the question. I like his conspiratorial ramble at Cadmus. Just tell me what you've learned. Topically applied fluoride doesn't prevent tooth decay. It does render teeth detectable by spy satellite. Tell me what you know. The plastic tips at the ends of shoelaces are called aglets. Their true purpose is sinister. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And of course, you know, Green Arrow, the old lefty, I appreciated Green Arrow grounding the team. Like, even though Batman is, quote-unquote, the regular human on the show, the way that Green Arrow was talking to the big hitters sometimes, I, I respected that a lot. Hey, I'm the only guy in the room who doesn't have superpowers, and let me tell you, you guys scare me. What if you do decide to go marching down there, taking care of whoever you think is guilty? Who could stop you? Me? So you want the government to have a bunch of superhuman weapons just to keep us in check? No. I don't know. Yeah. Look, I'm an old lefty. The government must do for people what people can't do for themselves. The people sure can't protect themselves from the likes of us. It's not so cut and dry, and I appreciate that from him. Yeah, that was a good perspective to have for sure. Because, like you said, Mm. Batman kind of occupied that space before. But then you also have to remember that Batman is also a super genius. And so... He, he's bad. Yeah. So he doesn't technically have any superpowers. He's technically just a regular human, but th- we all know the real deal. Right. Totally. Before we move on, do you have any last things to say about the show? Just one last thing. And this is a, a little piece of, of trivia that I found out in researching the show myself was that, um, so Hawk Girl is played by a Hispanic woman. 
And I found out that they casted uh, somebody with an accent to make her sound more alien. Right. And so I, when I found that, I was like, you know, when I really think about it, the so Martian Manhunter is played by a black black man, Hawk Girls played by a Hispanic woman, Isaiah Bradley. Yeah, and so the only other I guess minority voice actor is um, John Stewart. But I was like, do they really need an accent to make them seem alien? So I, I kind of felt some kind of way about it. But it's an interesting fact. And Rotalic, the general of the what are they called? Uh, Thanagarians. The Thanagarians, his accent was a lot thicker than hers. He definitely sounded different, but it didn't sound like he was alien. It sounded like he was, you know, <laughs> from, from uh, I don't know, the Dominican or something. I don't know. <laughs> I have some trivia, too. I, I want to get to trivia a little bit later on my end. I just wanted to talk about some things, I rewatching it, binging it, that I kind of laughed at. Number one, Superman flies headfirst into pain so many times. <laughs> He'd be like, I got this. And it immediately turns into... <laughs> yes. And so my only thought with that is, he, I mean, he was basically the punching bag of the Justice League. But my main thought was that they needed to show how indestructible he was. So they needed to show him get punched and get back up. My My equivalent to that is how... In some TV shows and movies, they show Wolverine get beat up or cut just so they can show off his healing factor. Um, mm. But even though Wolverine is a trained fighter and probably wouldn't get hurt that much, but just to show that piece off. So that's kind of how I think about it. I say the writers do it just to show how powerful the threat is so that the team has to you know, be smarter because he's the strongest guy on the team. So if he can't do it, they got to figure out a better way as a team to take him down but it's like brother do you ever learn like all the way up to the series finale he flies right into dark side's pain matrix like really nigga (laughs) (laughs) if it weren't for lex he would have been dead okay number two in the original two seasons i think maybe a little bit in the unlimited two but definitely the original how many times does flash run and trip over things one time, some debris just hit him in the head and took him out. Like, like you have one job. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was like Superman. It's like Superman could easily just like not fly into pain. Like he could super, super speed away from it. He just just he just tanks it for some reason. And Flash, he's not just a fast runner. He has fast reflexes too, and they will just purposefully nerf him. And it was so wild to me. Like I'm glad they started writing that out of the show because it was really pissing me off <laughs> yeah and it it's it's crazy um but then to also think like we consumed tv differently back then like mm-hmm. you, you know at best a show a new episode would come out once a week and so you probably right. forgot about the last time he tripped uh in the last That's episode true. but binging it definitely gives you a different perspective on everything i mean did he tripped in the in the justice league movie like yep. the live action one. It's like, can this dude quit tripping? <laughs> Again, Superman has like 10,000 powers and he just checks them all. Like, you have one job. Be fast. Run fast. Anyway. <laughs> that, yeah. was, that was funny. Number three. The way that blast or damage affects each member of the team the same when they fight as a team. For example, when Brainiac tries to 
download the team's data and everyone's in deep pain. Like they're being shocked. But once they're freed, Batman and Flash are, are up running like everyone else. Right? There are other moments like that where they all get blasted by a ray or a villain's like physical like punch or something. And everyone's like hit the same way. I'm like, no, you are not on the same level as Superman, Batman. Like you should be dead or unconscious or, or broken rib you know, just out of the game something right so i again binging it i found that noticeable too now of course long time listeners know like i can let some things pass if the good outweighs the goofy and the positives of justice league definitely outweigh these head scratchers do you have any those moments from the show i mean the big one for me was superman that that was absolutely my number one thing he just tanked everything <laughs> uh this hearing him his his screams because he did it in the in the in his own show too it's like every time it's just ah <laughs> all the time like brother use your other power like just dodge just dodge it please <laughs> please you, you have the power for it you have the ability just train move. with batman learn how not to get hit like the whole thing of like batman dodging the omega beams how many times does superman gotten hit with the Omega Beams that he has and Batman has no super speed yeah. I'm like come on and I remember Darkseid literally said no one has ever dodged my Omega Beams before so exactly. I don't know if that elevates Batman to another level or brings Superman down <laughs> to make him a, just a, an idiot <laughs> <laughs> Um. alright let's get we're almost done here guys uh, let's get to the trivia you said a bit of it already I, I appreciate that we didn't talk much about Wonder Woman but her origin differs from the comics as she didn't earn her uniform and weapons to go to man's world like in the comics. She steals them in the show. And the 2017 movie also uses that plot point. Trivia number two. There were some Super Friends references. Of course, the Ultimate episode, which was also written by Dwayne McDuffie, is a tribute to them. And during the final season of Justice League Unlimited, Luther's cabal of villains were in the swamp lair similar to the one in the super friends as i thought was was interesting um number three after batman and superman's show ended fans kept asking bruce tim about making a justice league show to which he replied that it would be too difficult but after one of the last batman beyond episodes which introduced a future version of the justice league one of my, my favorite episodes the call he felt more confident in bringing the show to life. So thank Batman Beyond. Thank Batman Beyond for Justice League. Uh, Let's see. The Watchtower is an amalgamation of the JLA satellite from the 70s from the comics and the Watchtower moon base introduced by Grant Morrison in the 90s. The show's design was so popular that, you guessed it, got folded into the comics. It's crazy to me how just how much that happened. So we already talked about um, Green Lantern's origin, um, kind of getting folded into the comics, and then we talked a little bit about uh, how Harley Quinn got folded into the comics, and they actually just fully created her from the ground up uh, right. from the show, and then also um, Mister Freeze's origin from the Batman animated series was so good that they adapted that to the comics. So. Oh, I that I know I know that. Okay, yeah, interesting. That I think it was a two or three part episode. It was just so good. I think it might have even Heart of Ice. Yeah, I think it might have even won like uh, a writing award or something like that. But it 
it won an Emmy, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was so good that they adapted that to be his main origin in the comics. Interesting. Interesting. All right, my last bit of trivia here. A number of iconic heroes were still forbidden from appearing on the show due to licensing issues. So, example, Blue Beetle, who we've seen in, in Young Justice, and Curiously Black Lightning were unable to appear, also because of the production of... Starting in 2004, all the bat sidekicks and villains could not show up while both shows were in production because they would confuse people about the continuity. And if you think about it, the Joker just kind of vanished off the face of the earth after a point. And I didn't really think about it until I started researching for the show. Yeah, I didn't think about that either. But I guess I guess it makes sense. I also, I mean, as a kid, I don't think I would have been too confused. Honestly, just keep the villains in there and just make a better show. I mean, having Mark Hamill's Joker alongside John DiMaggio's dreaded uh, Capoeira Joker would have been a little bit weird for me. But I mean, as an adult, I, I'll watch them both. But I guess as, if I was a kid... It would be a little, little, little strange. I heard a rumor that Justice League was canceled because they didn't have a teen character to for the, like, a kid to latch on to. I'm not sure how accurate that is or not, but obviously the, the Batman came out around the time Justice League started to wind down, and I think Robin was in that show. I didn't really watch that show, but wasn't Robin in that show a little bit? Yeah, he was. I, I didn't really watch it much either. I think Robin came on a little bit. Uh, later on but it, that does okay. sound familiar about them wanting s- to focus on the teens a bit more mm-hmm. yeah it always sucks i think even young justice got canceled for a while because they couldn't merchandise enough it was like i hate when corporations don't just want to make art it's just they want to make something to sell something else let's sell star wars to get you to go to the amusement parks and and buy the all the little cute puppets and characters is like just make the art please make a good story which is actually why uh, static shock got canceled because the merchandise wasn't selling but then also they didn't they weren't making enough merchandise for it so even though it was a wildly popular show that it's speculated because it was a quote quote black show that they didn't really want to push it as much um Mm. but um that's the main reason why static shock got canceled because of the merchandise I wouldn't doubt it. X-Men is getting a sequel series. I'm hoping that WB will do the same for Justice League in the future. Personally, I would love to see their version of the Kingdom Come storyline. Have you read that comic, that graphic novel? Yes. Phenomenal. It's still my favorite novel of all time. Likewise. Just having invested so much time into these iterations of the characters, as opposed to like just some random standalone DC animated movie, I would just feel stronger about. And of course, if, if you know, Bruce Timm and Paul Dini are actually writing for it, I would pay top dollar for it. Do you have any, any last comments to, to give us before you before we depart? Mm. You know, just Justice League is, you know, going to go down as one of my favorite animated shows of all time. It was mm. it was laid on the foundation of nearly 10 years of of world building with Batman, the animated series and, you know, the other shows that we named. So I, I just love it. We talked about how it's still longer than the MCU. It's probably going to go longer than DC's live action universe as well. <laughs> it's, it's doomed. It is really just an, an impressive feat all around. You can just tell that they cared about what they are writing about. Mm, totally. 
and they they knew when to pack it up. I mean, I think season two would have been probably the best place to stop, and that was their intention. Like wrapping it up with a nice bow about Terry's father was was brilliant, but also you know Superman going ham on Dark Side. You know, I you love to see it. Now I'm trying to start ending my show with gratitude, so I'm going to ask you. What is something that you are grateful for today? There's so much. Great. Uh, the, I think the, the biggest thing for me right now is I'm grateful that I am really able to lean on my family to, to do my podcast. The podcast is a, is a labor of love, but a labor nonetheless. I spend a lot of my nights and weekends recording and scripting and my Wife is so supportive. My kids don't understand what I do, but they love it anyway. Um, so, yeah, I think that will be one of the, the biggest things uh, that I'm grateful for. If, you know, for anyone who's listened to my podcast for a long period of time, you'll know that we had to transition from Hong Kong back to the U.S., and that was a really rough transition. Um, but, you know, by God's grace, we are here We've made it, and, you know, we're still trucking along, still fighting for the dream. How old are your kids? The oldest is seven, and the youngest is three. What are you most excited to introduce them to when they become teenagers? What animation? According to my wife, I've already poisoned my oldest daughter with Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm excited to get them into, into some anime. I know there's a lot of cool okay. new stuff that's coming out, but as soon as they're old enough to really understand things like uh, Death Note, um, Cowboy Bebop, um, mm-hmm. but then also really One Piece. I know One Piece is such a such an investment for anybody to get into, but like I tell my friends who are not into One Piece, once you get in, it's it's world's changing. It is the goat. It is the goat. Yeah. Death Note's a good one, too, for sure. Well, that's great, man. As a father, that sounds really cool. I have a younger brother. He's 19 now. But uh, I recall just introducing him to not only, like, hip-hop and stuff and trip-hop and even rock, but uh, some anime as well. I have, like, a big shelf of anime DVDs in my room back home. So he's he's gone through some of those, and we've talked about that before too he's he's watching one piece too a little bit that's great he won't he won't regret it (laughs) for sure and if you guys are still sleeping on one piece back at home you won't regret it either i hope well thank you very much dave this is great um i really appreciate nerding out with you can you remind folks once again where they can find you yes so my podcast is toon lord done right wherever you can find um your podcast is where i take a moment to uh, dive into a character concept or um, TV show or film in animation. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at ToonLoreDR and my website, ToonLoreDR.com. No doubt. And of course, you know where you can find us, Blurred Up on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D-P-U-G-P, Twitter kind of sort of B-L-E-R-D-U, and Facebook B-L-E-R-D-U-P. You all take care and a peace. Peace.